0: Hello friends, thanks for joining me today. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Ruth Farrell, and uh, amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor at St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. I hate taking out the trash. It is by far my least favorite household chore. For years, I had a habit of taking out the trash, but not putting a new liner in the can straight away. Inevitably, a while later, I would throw something in the can and then realize there wasn't a bag in it. This, of course, meant digging out whatever I had thrown in, then cleaning out the trash can before before adding the liner and finally being able to throw out the original piece of trash. What I didn't realize for a long time is that I berated myself every time I did this. I was so angry at myself. I called myself all sorts of names for not putting the bag in the can immediately. Then one day I heard myself. Why am I so angry at myself for simply not putting the liner in the can, I thought. Sure, it's an annoying habit, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not hurting me or anyone else. It's certainly not worth being so angry with myself about it. Many Christians believe anger is sinful. I, and more importantly, Jesus, would disagree. It's not that anger is inherently wrong it's that we often get angry about minor things like forgetting to put a bag in the trash can or kids not turning off the lights when they exit a room or a spouse's mouth breathing or someone sitting in your seat at church. And while we get angry about these largely inconsequential matters, we often struggle to get angry about the things that really matter. In today's scripture passage, Jesus gets angry. Because of his anger, this is a text that's hard for many of us. We think we don't want Jesus to be angry. We want Jesus to be love and peace and wear daisies in his hair. But if we're actually willing to think about it and the consequences of it, we do want Jesus to get angry. Not angry about the minor things of life, which so often cause our ire, but angry at injustice, heartbreak, hurt. Jesus is the embodiment of love, And love cannot stand to see someone or something it loves in pain. Hear these words from John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling sheep and doves and cattle and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple Jesus had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds and our bodies to hear you speaking to us today. Help us to listen carefully to your voice. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. When Jewish people in Jesus' day dreamed about taking a little holiday, one of the places they imagined going was to Jerusalem, and in particular, the temple. When we think about the temple, we probably imagine a church or perhaps a grand European cathedral. But the temple was a massive complex of buildings and outdoor areas the size of 12 soccer fields end to end. Another way we sometimes compare the temple to church is by assuming it was a place of quiet reverence. But most of the temple areas, often referred to as quote unquote courts in the Bible, were probably more like the hallways in a church on a Sunday morning. On Sunday, in most churches, the hallways are a crush of folks chatting, kids running around. If you're at our church, me reminding the kids to please use walking feet, the smell of coffee brewing, our musicians tuning up in the background. Folks came to the temple complex from all over to celebrate certain religious and national holidays. It was a crowded, noisy tourist attraction where people visited with friends and family, bought supplies for the celebration, ate special holiday foods. And yes, worshipped God too. Because of the size and nature of the temple courts, perhaps the way we often imagine Jesus turning over the, temple, over the tables isn't entirely accurate either. Perhaps typically in our mind's eye, the temple goes from being a cheerful and busy space to being a scene of total chaos and terror, with people screaming in horror, animals wildly stampeding, and coins flying through the air when Jesus began using his DIY whip. But more realistically, most people in the temple courts that day probably didn't know what was happening at all. They weren't close enough to see it. There were too many people locking their view. They were too busy chatting with friends, doing their business, enjoying their holiday, seeing the sights, to pay any attention. Throughout much of Christian history, the merchants who sold the animals and the money changers in this story had been called evil, But what they were doing was literally required by law. People needed to purchase animals to use in their worship. Rather than trying to bring them along from home, which for many would have been a long journey on foot, they simply purchased the animals from the merchants selling them. Not in the Holy of Holies, by the way, which is the most sacred room in the temple complex, but rather selling them in the hallways of the temple, the outer courts, where everyone was milling around, chattering, gathering the supplies they needed for their celebrations. The money changers were also required by law. They served as a sort of national bank. In their everyday lives, people used Roman money to conduct their business because they lived in Roman-controlled areas. But the temple only accepted Jewish money. So when people wanted to give offerings, they needed someone to change their denarii into shekels, just like all of us need someone to change our dollars for euros if we ever traveled to Europe. Given the historical context and Jesus's own teachings and actions, it probably wasn't the selling of animals or the changing of money which so angered Jesus at the temple that day. Scholar Amy Jill Levine lists some of the other explanations she's heard to explain Jesus's rage. The temple must have been a dreaded institution, that it exploited the poor, that it was in cahoots with Rome, that Caiaphas, the head priest, was in charge of the temple, and he was a terrible person, that it banned Gentiles from worshipping and so displayed a hatred of foreigners, and so forth. A few suggest that there was a quote-unquote temple domination system that represented everything wrong with society. Some tell her that the temple imposed oppressive purity laws and forbade people from entering, But none of these views fits with what we know about either Jesus or history. So we're still left with the question, why was Jesus so angry that day? Each of the Gospels describes this moment in Jesus' life, and each one hints at a different reason. But since we're in John's Gospel today, let's look at what John seems to be trying to tell us. After scattering the coins, Jesus said to the dove sellers, Get these things out of here. Don't make my father's house a marketplace. John continues with a little aside. His disciples remembered that it is written, Passion for your house consumes me. All this is hinting at an ancient scripture text from Zechariah, in which the prophet looks forward to a day when there won't be any need for merchants and money changers in the temple. He dreams of a day when the temple isn't filled with merchants and money changers because holiness will no longer be available only at and through the temple, but it will be everywhere. People won't have to go to a specific place to find God because they themselves will spread the holiness of God all around them. Through driving out the merchants and the money changers, Jesus was saying Zechariah's dream was being fulfilled in him. But why did Jesus have to get so angry to make this point? Couldn't he have made it more gently and calmly? I wonder if Jesus was angry because he was heartbroken. God hadn't created the world for holiness to be relegated to one particular building. God created this world with holiness all around. God made this world so that all of creation could know and experience holiness at all times. But we humans made the decision to go our own ways. We humans made and make choices which inhibit God's holiness from being found all around us. We choose to exploit others through things such as racism and sexism, and also through greed and hatred. We choose to exploit this earth and its creatures by overconsuming. Jesus was angry because this isn't the way it was supposed to be. Jesus was angry because this world was meant to be so much more. Jesus was angry because his heart was broken that so many had suffered so needlessly for so long. Jesus' righteous anger empowered him to drive out the merchants and money changers as a sign that he was ushering in a new era. One where through him all God's creatures could experience holiness which incorporates ideas such as love, peace, joy, mercy, forgiveness, no matter where they were. In this new era, everyone would know and believe that they are God's beloved child with whom God is well pleased. In this new era, all of creation would come to experience justice. In this new era, everyone and everything could come to live in freedom, the very thing the Passover festival celebrated. When Jesus' earthly ministry came to an end after his death and resurrection, he passed the baton of ushering in this new era to all of us who seek to follow him. He gave us the job of working to drive out the things that relegate God's holiness to church buildings or to a select few. He gave us the task of bringing God's holiness with us wherever we go. He showed us that righteous anger should be used when things are preventing all of God's creation from living in peace love, justice and freedom which Jesus brought to us through his own body. What's the stuff that gets in the way of all God's creation from experiencing God's holiness, not just in one location, but everywhere? What's the stuff that gets in the way of all creation being able to live in peace, freedom, safety? That's the stuff we need to get angry about. That's the stuff Jesus is calling us to make our own proverbial whips for and drive it out of this world so that we can all come to live in his peace. Thanks for joining me today, my friends. At one point in this message, I quoted from Amy Jo Levine's work, Entering the Passion of Jesus. As you go from here, may you consider your anger and may you be angry about things that really matter. And may that anger nudge you to make changes for the better of this world. God's grace and peace around you now and always, my friends. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.